You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in, Bears fans. A little bit later today, as always, I am Mason West, and I'm going solo today, but not for too long, because later I will be joined by Rashab Sikri of the Windy City Productions for a breakdown of what he saw at training camp, because he was there. Pretty cool, right? Um, speaking of which, I'm actually going to be at training camp on Saturday, and I'm going to be rocking this brand new shirts, Shabao. That we have for the podcast. So if you're going to be there on Saturday, you know, come find me. I'll be in the bright orange shirt. Let me know. Um, the other cool thing is we're going to be doing a little giveaway. So comment and like this YouTube video, please. First of all, it helps the podcast, but also it's going to get you a chance to get a free shirt. Um, I'm going to also tweet out a picture as soon as the show ends and just follow like and retweet to win the shirt. You know, I'll shoot you a DM, get your info, mail it to you, obviously with the, the size that you want. Uh, I'm also, like I said, I'm going to be rocking that. But oh yeah, that shirt made locally here in Chicago by Quinn Rivers and his company, uh, You Need Tees. And they did an amazing job. Tees are super comfortable. Uh, I actually have used them before for the uh, program NABPT that I'm a part of, uh, National Association of Black Physical Therapists. I got that about two months ago. It still feels just as good now as it does then. Watched it multiple times and the logo still looks great. So, you know, if you need anything done, I would definitely suggest going to going to him instead of, you know, custom tees or any of the other stuff you might do online. Uh, but for this show, we're going to run through a couple of things before we bring Rashab on. So first of all, injuries around the league. It's been a little crazy in terms of what's been happening right now. You know, you have Lions defensive back CJ Garner Johnson hurt his knee. Not thought to be ACL. He should be back uh, in, within a couple weeks, maybe six to eight. Uh, but that definitely hurts the depth for the Lions. Luckily, they went out and drafted a safety, someone who got drafted way later than he should have. But you know, he, so they're they're okay in that scenario. Uh, you also have Bills backup running back Naheem Hines tore his ACL after being hit on a jet ski. 
Uh, obviously, that you can look at that and, and question it. It's entirely possible to tear your ACL with just a blow. Often it's non-contact. That's how we hear it normally in the sports world. But right now, for example, I have a patient who he tore his ACL with someone falling on him during sand volleyball. Um, I've had another patient. She ended up tearing it uh, because during a car accident. It was very odd. That, that one was very odd. So might have torn it during the ski accident. Maybe there's a little something funky going on there. Uh, who we're who's uh, who are we to say? Ravens long snapper Nick Moore tore his Achilles while training in preparation for the season, and that's why the Ravens had a long snapper tryout today. That was won by former Seattle Seahawk and 2020 Pro Bowl selection Tyler Ott. More recently, Garrett Wilson. He has an inversion ankle sprain, likely moderate grade, based on the video that I saw. Inversion is a little different, right? Normally, we think of an eversion sprain. Eversion is going to occur when you land and your ankle rolls outward, foot rolls inward. Really common basketball injury, right? If you land on someone's foot, this one is inversion. So the inner part of the ankle moved inwards, duh, and the foot moved outwards. This one can be a little bit more robust at times. You have this ligament on the inside, your CFL, your calcaneofibular ligament. It's a much bigger, wider one. So if I you know, kind of put four fingers up to represent that versus the one on the outside that we most commonly sprain, that one's going to be maybe more like a two-finger length in terms of width. So spraying that bigger one can be a big deal. You know, it's going to be a week-to-week thing. The timeline really depends on how aggressive the Jets want to be. He was able to walk off under his own power, a little bit of a limp. So it didn't seem like it was going to be too, too robust of an injury there. Uh, Joe Burrow, that one was scary. Uh, he pulled up, though, you know, definitely not anything knee ACL. It was confirmed to be a calf strain. Calf strains can be tricky. Uh, the, the calf generates a lot of power in the lower leg. Uh, the soleus specifically, the deeper calf muscle, super important for knee control and just generating power, like I said. Uh, so, I mean, a minor calf strain can be three days if if you treat it well. A more severe one that doesn't need surgery, just needs some conservative rehab can be six weeks. So it's going to be really interesting to see where he falls. Joe Burrow is a pretty tough guy. I mean, he's had he's had a weird injury history, you know, appendectomy, for example. And it's not your traditional stuff. It's not like he's getting a bunch of uh, meniscus issues. It's not a bunch of uh, hamstring strains, things like that. Uh, this is really his first soft tissue injury. Therefore, it's not something that I'm overly concerned about in terms of that. But he just he hasn't been available. He you know he had the ACL even wait go going further back. So. You know, that's something that is definitely to be concerned about. And then one of the bigger ones, Jalen Ramsey, he was carted to the locker room with a left knee injury. Later, turned out it was a meniscus. What is a meniscus? Um, if you th- look at it, it's basically, you can look at it as these angles, these angle pieces of cartilage. And the upper bone femur comes between those. And that meniscus helps the femur roll back and forth when you're bending or extending your knee. Now, why is that important? Because if you get a tear... Now, imagine like that little uh, downward angle in the front and the back. Something flips up and there's a little roadblock. A, that's a lot of pressure that's going to be now put directly on the bone because the bone there's bone directly underneath meniscus, but also that torn meniscus can create a blockage. So a lot of times, if you don't know you have a torn meniscus and your knee locks and you have to almost like wiggle it to unlock it, that's a way to tell. There's a bunch of other tests, of course. He went through imaging. Now, the question is, is it a trim or are they going to do repair? Trim, he's going to be back near the start of the season. Repair, the end of the season, potentially missing the entire thing. Now, you know, it sounds like, hey, why would you not do the trim? Because if you do the trim, you change the entire biomechanics of the knee. You know, you cut it away, you no longer have the same integrity of that little wedge. That bone can't roll back and forth as well. 
you're hitting the bone beneath it potentially depending on how much of a tear there was and how much they had to take away versus a repair you're putting that back down you're suturing it all up but it's such a long recovery because you cannot put downward pressure onto those sutures so you're non-weight bearing for a while so for example uh i have a guy right now acl tear he also had a meniscus repair he literally could not put weight on that leg for the first four weeks and actually funny enough today was the first day he was able to do it but now we still have to catch up right because you, you weren't able to do as much strengthening and and things of that nature because he couldn't weight bear and so now we start this process of getting the knee bending more and weight bearing now we start doing things like mini squats and that's why you know he's not going to fall in that traditional acl eight six to eight month return he's probably closer for like that full year which in all reality all acl should be anyway but that's a whole conversation for another show uh people who are adrian peterson messed up that whole thing adrian peterson came back so fast it ruined it for every other athlete who thinks they should be back in six months. Uh, last little bit on that. Studies have shown you aren't back 100% from an ACL until two years. So, you know, just keep that in mind. But that's going to bring us to our ad read. My Mighty Meals. Owner and founder Chris Davia puts the personal touch to healthy eating that most meal prep services are missing. I've been using his services for almost three years now and haven't looked back. My Mighty Meals are cooked fresh and delivered directly to your home or work weekly in the Chicagoland area. They taste great the day you get them, as well as the final day of your week as you anticipate your next delivery. Each meal is macro-friendly and makes it incredibly easy to track. You can choose from standard meals that are under 500 calories or heftier ones that are between 5 and 750 calories. The meals rotate each week, so I never get bored. Some examples include beef and quinoa chili, buffalo jerky mac, shrimp taco bowl, maple glazed chicken, and sweet potatoes. Need something more specific or have dietary restrictions? You can customize your order for just a little bit more. Like, for example, the one of the breakfast came with spinach. I didn't want it. I took it out. It was great. One of my favorite parts is that there isn't a subscription, so you don't get stuck with the meals you don't need. Skip a week, two weeks, a month, whatever you need is if you just need a break, or maybe you're going out of town, or whatever the case may be. You can find me on Instagram at MyMightyMeals and use the code GRIDIRON25 for 25% off your first order at mymindymeals.com. If you haven't tried it already, you really need to. It's, it's awesome. It takes the guesswork out of eating, and it's so much so easy, especially if you're busy like me. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, some specific Bears news. Uh, we're still going to hold off on training camp stuff for a little longer. We just got to wait until our guest is going to make an appearance. Bears had some tryouts this week. They brought in a bunch of tight ends, linebackers, and wide receiver. 
Uh, Bears worked out, for example, B.J. Bellow, Victor Bolden, Roger Carter, Isaiah Ford, who was ultimately signed, Buddy Johnson, who also was ultimately signed, Jared Pinkney, Lachlan Pitts, Trey Quinn, Kalen Tolson, and Isaiah Zuber. So like I said, they signed Buddy Johnson, who is a former Steelers fourth-round linebacker and played some Aggie football, um, but also played uh, some with the Texans and 49ers. Isaiah Ford was also signed wide receiver, and they waived Sterling Weatherford and punter Ryan Anderson. So it's a couple of things to highlight with that. One, no punting competition. You know, sad for fans, I guess. I don't know. But, and Weatherford was actually a pretty important member of that special teams unit last season, and he actually was claimed. So people around the league definitely value him. Uh, he was acquired last year by the Bears. And like I said, he was a core special teamer. So who's going to step up and, and replace that role? Uh, potentially maybe a Noah Sewell, you know, someone that the Bears drafted. I, I know we're definitely high on. Uh, there's a They have a lot of depth at linebacker right now, which is actually surprising that they even went out and were looking at linebackers. But clearly they saw something in Buddy Johnson that they weren't getting out of Sterling Weatherford. When you look at Buddy, he is super athletic. You know, his, if you could do one of those spider charts on him, off the charts athleticism. But he's kind of small. You know, he's not necessarily what you would traditionally think would for a linebacker role, but he's a little more of a modern linebacker, uh, you could say. And we all know that Ryan Poles definitely values his athletes. We know we all know about the raw athletic score and we know what the, the last draft class brought. So that might be the thing. They just want a little more edge in that athleticism on their special teams. They all the Bears also signed uh, offensive tackle Aviante Collins and waived Lawrence Metz. Collins was signed by the Minnesota Vikings as an undrafted rookie in 2017, where he had a bunch of injuries during his four years with the team. He's made just one start in his NFL career, which came during his time with the Vikings in 2019. He was most recently with the Cowboys in 2022, and he appeared in two games. So what I'm seeing there, because Metz was an undrafted rookie, they just wanted someone a little with some. Yep, there we go. Cornelius Goss, thank you for that. Weatherford was picked up by the Rams. Couldn't remember the name. There you go. Thank you. Rams got Weatherford. Um, but uh, back to Collins, basically wanted someone that had a history in the league that has some reps, right? That can get some, that can show a little bit. You know, undrafted free, re, rookie free agents are undrafted rookie free agents. You know, you're not going to cry about losing someone like that, um, even though, you know, Mets had an interesting backstory. Other week one news. Chase was off the puff. <laughs> one of the fastest things ever. Uh, 24 hours. I don't know that I've ever seen that. Um by my understanding, it was a technicality. Uh, just basically, they he missed so much time uh, during some of the veteran stuff. You know that was mandatory that he basically had to miss a day. Nothing, you know, there was nothing crazy there. Uh, bigger news: Cole Komet extension. He agreed to a four-year, fifty million dollar extension. This included thirty-two point eight million guaranteed and twenty million in the first in his in new first-year cash. That keep in mind that twenty million in the first year. So a lot of this information I got from Brad Spielberger. You can find him at PFF underscore Brad. He's my go-to for anything that's cap, and he's been making the rounds, especially this last offseason, uh, everywhere from ESPN to just I mean doing all these awesome interviews. Brad's amazing. Um, but to give an idea. So I know Cole Komet can be a little divisive. Some people love Cole, some people hate Cole, and some people just right in the middle. I lean probably to middle to love. I'm in that like 75%, I guess I could say with him. Um, he He's productive, or he was productive last year. Now, someone can make the argument, well, who else did he have to throw, did Fields have to throw to? He had to be productive. 
And so like, there's a truth to that, right? I mean, but he still was productive with Darnell on the field with, until Mooney got hurt. Um, and at the end of the day, who's to say that he's not going to continue, right? If DJ Moore draws double teams, if Darnell Mooney comes back, like I expect him to and be healthy and do a lot of that slot work, that definitely leaves the seam, tight end screen, and center open for commit. And to put a little bit of that in perspective in terms of his production, he ranked third in touchdown receptions amongst tight ends last year while ranking 13th and 15th in receptions and, uh, in receptions and also yards respectively excuse me yards and receptions respectively according to pff he ranked fourth amongst tight ends in tight end receiving grade he was behind the likes of dallas goddard gerald everett and george kittle he commits 79.1 pff red zone uh receiving grade ranked second amongst tight ends with at least 10 red zone targets in 2022 with six touchdown receptions and zero drops to me, why would you not want to pay that? Especially when you look, you know, look at his overall salary uh, that puts him at like ninth in the league. I mean, that's right around like that upper to middle range. Totally fine by me. Um, when you ultimately look at, he makes forty million in the first three New Years, and that's really important. Most of that money is very front loaded. Uh, after two thousand twenty-five, it would just be three point two million in dead money, and eight million signing bonus was the only thing prorated. Uh, the Bears will lose around $3.6 million in 2023 cap space due to the extension, which moves them to around $28.4 million. But that figure is, is still the most in the NFL. So they still have money that they need to spend. So uh, we'll get to that in a, in a little bit in terms of a potential extension for another player. Cornelius Squall says, I wish the coaches teach him how to use a stiff arm and discard low tacklers. Uh, Cornelius, it's a valid point. Um, if if Danny was here, he would, you know, say his his line that uh, Komet loves a couple things. And I'm going to add the first part because he wouldn't say this part. But he loves catching touchdowns. And as Danny would put it, he loves the ground. He gets, he's been getting tackled very easily the last couple of years. And he's, he's a little stiff in the hips. You know, he is not the most athletic tight end out there. He's not a Travis Kelsey that's just that has all this wiggle to him. What he is, is he's a solid catcher, he's an okay blocker, he has a big wingspan, and he gets open in the red zone. Uh, between the 20s, not as much, but he produces when you need him to produce in the red zone. Uh, I go back to that one catch he had, single-handed snag, flipped in the air, held onto the ball, you know, little first down point. Not every tight end can make that catch, and a lot of tight ends can't make that catch. So I'm pretty happy with Cole Komet getting this extension for that money. A, because of what he can continue to do, and B, the Bears did need to spend the money. So it's not like now the Bears are hamstrung from doing other things. Like, and we'll get to this in a little bit, potentially again, another extension or edge rushers. Ryan Pohl's interview today, uh, he discussed Komet. Uh, those discussions for the extension started in the spring and lasted all the way until yesterday. That shows how in-depth these talks are. The fact that, you know, I had to start that far away and just got done. Um, they love Cole. They love everything he's about, what he represents. Uh, Poles even said that, you know, Komet embodies everything that he feels a Chicago Bear is, but that money had to be right. And four-year, $50 million is pretty solid there. Uh, it's important for the locker room. Uh, you know, Poles said that a player told him that there was a ton of energy in the locker room. And that matters. These players look around, whether it's the young guys who are you know, coming up, maybe some veterans that are saying, do I have a place here long term? The Bears need to show that they take care of their own when they produce and when they deserve it. You don't want to be known as the team that uses players and throws them off to the side. Because 
other players take note of that in terms of decisions for free agency um, or even some of those players who dictate where they want to get potentially get traded to. So that's really important to create this culture that players want to be here and they talk about it with their fellow NFL players. At the end of the day, you know, these guys are human beings. They're not, it's not a depth chart on Madden. You can't just, you know, rip out Cole Kmet and throw in another tight end and everything's the same. You know, you can tell by the way that these guys talk, that Cole talks, that Darnell Mooney talks, that Chase actually was talking a little bit yesterday about being one of the guys. That's very important to, to all these guys. And another interesting, that's interesting of note, Cole Komet was the first Bears draft pick to earn an extension from Poles, which ended a three-year drought since the last Bears draftee to get a new contract to Reed Cohen. That information was from Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic, but uh, shows a couple things. A, how big of a hurdle it was for Cole to get there. B, how unfortunate it's been in terms of Bears draft picks and who has earned another contract. Not, not great, but at least now we're hopefully on the other side of it and this is starting a roll right? New, the, all these new players that are being drafted, earning the right to be a Chicago bear. Uh, next thing to talk about that Pulse talked about was Jalen Johnson and potential extension. Uh, he polls did say that the relationship is good and also said he's out showing that he can perform at a high level and become the player that he wants to be and improve. That's really important. Uh, again, the bears do need to spend a little bit more money and, probably at least another 15 mil, I think, uh, if I recall correctly. So some, one of these guys is probably going to get extended, whether that's Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool. The other two, Chase and Darnell, still have to prove some stuff. Darnell has to prove that he's healthy, which isn't really going to happen until potentially end of training camp or even in the season. And Chase has to prove that he can string together a full season, understanding the playbook and be productive. And again, that's not happening anytime soon. The Bears do not have to hit that floor until spring. I believe it's March. So they have time. They could also hit it by doing a trade. But I do believe one of the reasons that they've held off necessarily signing an edge is because they don't know where the financials sit. So, for example, if they end up needing to extend Jalen Johnson, but they have already signed an edge and they're a couple mil short of where they want to be, you don't want to lose out on signing your guy Jalen because you've paid too much for a, y- a Yannick Ngakwe, for example. You know, reports are that Yannick wants to be a bear. There's other reports saying that Justin Houston and the Bears have been in talks, but it takes two to tango. Uh, Yannick has to want to wants to be here but he also has to be here in the right amount of money um it's not he's been on six teams in five years there's a reason for that you know he is a talented edge rusher but he does nothing for the 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 run game absolutely nothing and i would be very surprised if the bears with one of their first round picks next year they have two of them do not take an edge rusher so now do you want big money for three years for four years for a guy that you can replace in the draft next year, especially when he's so one-dimensional. It's hard to say. Another thing that Paul said on money spending in the offseason, it's not like we're making it rain. You want to stay disciplined. And I love that. I love that thought process. It's so easy. Like I'm definitely the type of person that's like, I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. And it's good to see that he's holding back because it, look at what happened in the Ryan Pace era. Do we want to go back to that where, the bears were so hamstrung financially that they couldn't add players that they needed to add in order to make that team work. You know, that when a new regime came on that, you know, they had the polls had to burn the whole thing in order just to make it work. I just, I'm glad that he's not overpaying. Now I'm going to bring something up that Rex Smith is bringing up, which is contrary. 
Yes, because you have no pass rush and you're not winning without a pass rush. He also said, I'd rather overpay than go into the season with no pass rush. I hear you, Rex. The Bears are going to, their, their goal is to win, right? They're not, they're not here trying to tank. Uh, they're, they're trying to win games. They are not in a position, though, that they have to have over pass rush week one. It's a very, it's okay to go in the first couple weeks of the season without that person. Let's just say that these players aren't signed yet. Yannick hasn't signed yet. Um, or, you know, you can still trade for someone. A, 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 Bryce Huff for the Jets is a perfect example. And we've heard that I'm not a big Chase Young guy, but we've heard Chase Young is still available. Maybe he's available. You do not need to rush into this. This is this year is about the offense and Justin. Now, could you make the argument that it's important to have a pass rush because your defense is better, which gets Justin on the field, right? So that he's not having and not having to score a touchdown every single time because you're not letting up a touchdown every single time. Yes, that is entirely an argument that you can make. However, at the same time, it doesn't then just say like, all right, here's a blank check, Edge Rusher, we need you here. At the same time, you still have, you know, Travis Gibson. He's been disappointing. Don't get me wrong. I'm the first person to call that. Dominic Robinson, he had one good game and then fell off. Let's keep in mind he's an undrafted free agent. I do think that you're going to get a lot more out of guys that Rasheen Green. Rasheen Green is a very low-key, a guy that can be great. Demarcus Walker, by all reports, thank you, Joe Treviso. You and I were absolutely on the same page there. Walker may surprise everyone. I think Demarcus Walker is going to do some pretty solid stuff, to be completely honest. So I think you have enough that you don't need to go into this. If you were a contender, if you were straight up like, you know what, this is our year to win the North, right now, if you could call that, go, go get your head rusher. You can't say that right now, though. There's, the NFC North is going to be a bunch of 500-ish teams. I think the Packers could win four games all year, potentially, to, to be completely honest. Um, the Lions are... Who knows what the heck they're doing? The Lions still lionsing. They have a bunch of injuries, you know, that are piling, starting to pile up. They have the people, they have Jameson Williams, who is suspended. They end up having to go and trade for a Jets receiver, who I still like him, but he was buried on that Jets depth chart. And then you have the Vikings, who won a bunch of one score games. So if you just flip the coin the other way, they weren't making the playoffs. So NFC North up for grabs. You do not have to rush to go get that person. Rick Smith just says that is wide open. Pass rusher is a top three most important position. Yannick is 28. Yannick is an old 28. This he's he's again 16s in five years. If he was that good, why is he looking for another, his seventh team? That's absolutely crazy. It, it's just I it, it just it's nuts. And in terms of the draft, I don't I didn't want Poles to force an edge rusher. The edge rusher just flew off the board. They did. There's a lot of holes to fill this offseason. They went ahead and they got two interior linemen and Zach Pickens and Gervin Dexter, but that's all. That's also how the board fell. Clearly, they valued Zach Pickens over any of the other edge rushers. I do not want a GM that says I have a need here. I'm going to just draft this. I want them to take the combination of we have a need and who are the best players and what is the formula that turned what player gets turned out in that formula. When you start drafting for need, you start drafting to lose. Simple as that. Another bit of news. Uh, last bit here, uh, Sanborn not practicing in full. Outside of individual drills, he's been a spectator thus far as he works his way back from his season-ending ankle injury from last season. Sanborn said he feels close to being cleared for a full practice. He also would not necessarily say that he had surgery. Uh, I believe he did, uh, I, but he wouldn't say that. <laughs> he straight up said, uh, I don't know that the Bears have mentioned that I have, so I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. 
Um, in Sanborn's place, and I think this is really interesting, you had rookie linebacker Noah Sewell play alongside linebackers Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. Now, it just kind of makes sense in terms of who you have available at linebacker, but you definitely have a couple of linebackers that are, a little, that are more seasoned, but they opted to go with Noah Sewell. Noah Sewell is a really interesting guy. Uh, if For those who may not know his backstory, last year he had a bit of a rough year. There was a change in defense coordinator at Oregon, and it, that definitely affected him. If you go to the year prior to that, I mean, there were conversations of him being a day one pick by some, day two pick by most kind of thing. And that's pretty outstanding, in my opinion, uh, to have a guy like that fall to you. The other thing that some people have thrown out there is, can he be an edge rusher? So, Because he actually did a great job. Demarcus Walker inside, have Noah Sewell kind of bump to the edge of the line, and all of a sudden, is that your part of your part of your pass rush? Not the whole thing, but part of it. Um, that there's absolutely potential for that. So one of the parts later in the show that we're going to get into is we're going to discuss player locks. So which players are guaranteed to make this team, and which ones just missed the cut, and. When I did this, I ended up having, I think, 39 players that I thought were guaranteed to make the team, uh, which leaves a good number. I mean, you need to fill 53, so that's a lot of open spots. So now my definition of guarantee or lock is players that you, you know, you're going to bet you're a, a chunk of change that, that would hurt you if, if you were wrong. Uh, versus, you know, a player that, yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll make the team because that's kind of all they have there. But that's not a lock. That's a you fell into it kind of thing. So that's going to be, I think, an interesting discussion that, that we will definitely have uh, a little bit later. Uh, in terms of training camp, some things that I saw uh, before our special guest popped on. Uh, Terrell Smith. Interesting guy. I, I think he was a guy that I was very surprised fell to where he did with the Bears drafted uh, defensive back, cornerback specifically. And he was playing safety today. He was doing both safety and corner. When you look at the depth of safety in particular, it is a harsh drop off. You no longer have DeAndre Houston Carson. He actually went and did a tryout with the Jets, I believe, uh, yesterday. And I was really surprised that they opted not to bring him back. Nothing about his play last year suggested that he's fallen off. Um, he was one of the last uh, remnants of the previous regime. Maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe they just want to move in a, a, a younger direction. But not having that third guaranteed safety that you know for sure is going to be there, it, it leaves something to be desired. So it makes sense they're playing Terrell Smith there. Um, Elijah Hicks is there. Uh, he had a couple of good plays from what I understand over the last couple of days, but he's also had some rough ones. When he got some looks last year, was he didn't do anything outstanding. If anything, you know, it was a little bit rough. So you definitely have to figure out that backup safety position. Uh, something else that was noted, the number two offensive line, from left to right, you had Deesh, Leatherwood, Lucas Patrick, Carter, Jatir Carter specifically, and Larry Borum. So I know some people are going to love and hate that. Uh, one, for example, Alex Leatherwood. You know, there's this whole thing about, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? He struggled a lot with the Raiders at tackle. They bumped him inside. Uh, when he came here, it was, you know, there was a lot of people who were calling for uh, sorry, excuse me, Alex Leatherwood to be the savior, and you know he's going to come in and help solidify this line. He got in; he looks fine-ish. I mean, he wasn't. He had some rough plays, but he also had some okay ones. 
Um, then you look at Adish. I'm I like him. Um, I th- I think that he's someone that I was really excited uh, to see ultimately what he was going to be doing if he had a chance and the Bears were able to snag him. But you know, he hasn't really been able to make an impact quite yet. So seeing him on that second line is awesome. Lucas Patrick leaves a bad taste in some people's mouths, <laughs> and I don't think that's really fair. We never really got a chance to see what he could do at center. He played all of five snaps before he broke a bone in his foot. Uh, but he, he, as far as we've heard, he is during this whole off season, he's been an awesome professional. He's been there to help out as much as possible. Um, Carter is someone that I'm very ex- interested in. I think he absolutely could be somewhat a solid backup lineman. Uh, yeah. Rotational piece. I'm kind of over the Larry Borum experiment to be completely honest. Um, he's fine, but I want him to be my, my seventh, eighth lineman at best. Um, nothing more than that. But before we do too much more training camp, let's bring in our guest, Rashab Sikri of the Windy City Productions fame. Absolutely love what he does content-wise. Amazing hype videos, post-game reactions, big move reactions, and, of course, training camp. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How about you? You know what? Not too shabby. Uh, uh, I've been just, you know, chatting with the uh with everyone that's here live with us got into a little thing with rex smith he's really pro edge that says that we need one you know without a doubt go get one overpay if you need to what is your thought process on that i kind of agree like i feel like we do need one at some point um because just the people we have right now uh, you know on the roster like they're they, they're not proven guys right like you have guys out there like anakin galquay was like a 10 sack per year guy you have justin houston who's getting older but still probably could give you 10 sacks next year. So I'm of the opinion that you should probably try to get one just to, you know, win as many games as possible next season, because we're, we're trying to win games next season, right? Like we're not trying to tank again, like last year. So I, I would say we should sign somebody, but at the same time, if the money is not right, if the years are not right, then I'm not going to be like, you know, overpay for one, right? Like if, if you have to give Yannick, like, you know, 14 million per year for like three years, obviously don't do that. Because that would, you know, mess up your cap situation for the next three years. It wouldn't mess it up, but it'd be, you know, a waste of a waste of a signing. So I, I do want to sign somebody, but only at the right price. So I think Ryan Poles is playing it uh pretty pretty smartly right now. And that's exactly where I am. You know, I'm not sitting here saying don't sign one, but exactly like you said, I'm not gonna hand a blank check over to Yannick and say, please, we need you to come here, like whatever right. you want. So what do you think about trade options? Like, would you want to trade for like Daniel Hunter or like you know, Chase Young, perhaps, if he's available, which I, we're not even sure if they're actually available, but if they if they would be available. I'd be definitely interested. It Kind of like with the free agent rushers, it's all about the price. Um, mm-hmm. Chase Young scares me medically. His ACL mm-hmm. was not a traditional ACL, and mm-hmm. he was even, when he came did come back, he looked a little rough, too. So that, that's always a tough one. Um, plus, he's got some off-the-field stuff going on. Is it just because the commanders are a wreck and they have no idea how to run a locker room? Entirely possible. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know how much I can put into that. Um, Daniel Hunter, he is an, he is an old, he's not super old. I think he's like 28 or something. I think he's 28, yeah. But he's like an old 28. Like, he's been in the league for a while. Like, he's got a lot of miles on him, I guess I would say. Um, and I just look at the, the in- in division trade, what does that look like? I mean, they the Vikings stole, you know, Hawkinson for almost nothing with the Lions. So maybe it wouldn't cost that much. Um, it boils down to what that would look like. And all those guys all are going to, whoever you do. And also, I'm a big Bryce Huff guy with the Jets. I just think they have all of the pass rushers possible. So, like, someone who is as efficient as he was in his little opportunity, if you can get him for a third rounder, I would be all about, a, or even a fourth, actually, might even be possible. I'd be all about that. 
but you got to pay all three of those guys. And how much do you pay um, Chase Young? If he hits the open market, you know, what is that going to look like for him? He might be a mercenary that goes on a one-year deal because team doesn't know what it is, or does he secure himself, you know, a three or four-year bag because he plays well this year? It's a roll of the dice. Um, it all depends on on how much it costs. What about you? I totally agree with what you said. I mean, like, we're not trying to pay too much. I mean, Ryan Poles has proven that throughout his time here. Like, he's not going to overpay for guys that are, you know, positions of need just because we need them. You know, he's going to get the right deal at the right price. And I totally agree. Like, if, if, a, if a trade comes available, like a Daniel Hunter for only, like, a second or third round pick, like, you'd kind of have to go for that because I feel like that we could easily afford. And we also have the luxury now of having extra draft picks. So even if we have to trade, like, a second or third round pick, we do have two first round picks next season. And two second round picks the following season. So like getting rid of like a second or third round pick. We could also get another third round pick from uh, Ian Cunningham getting a job somewhere else as a GM, which Great is point. like very likely, right? Because he he denied the GM um offer from like the Titans or some other team. I remember or the Cardinals. I think he denied yeah, Cardinals job offer there. So he's probably easily going to get a job next season as a GM if the Bears are like anywhere close to being respectable next season. So there's an extra two third round picks. So like we're not hurting for draft capital at all in the future, but at the same time, you don't want to just like waste it on players that you, you know, aren't going to be long-term fits with you, which I think Ryan Poles is going to be smart with this whole thing. And he's not going to, you know, cater to the demands of fans. He's going to, you know, look at who's right for the bears, right for the bear scheme at the right price. And he's going to go after, you know, player like that. And we have to remember, like, we're obviously not contending for a Super Bowl next season. So we shouldn't be making a move, like trading for like a Khalil Mack in 2018, where we're giving up, you know, two first round picks for the next two years. Like at this point, the bears could very well draft their, address of the future next season in the draft because we have two first round picks so like if we are a little bit patient like we could just get the address next year and like just hope for the best this year you know it's probably not going to be a good defense this year but do the best we can this year and just address it next year i think that could also be a pretty smart option you know depending on what opportunities actually come up so i think we also have to remember what matt eberflus did with the colts you know who, yeah. who were their edge rushers it wasn't a bunch of studs can't even but- name them Exactly. They got all their pressure from the middle. That's the cog that runs the machine. And then the edge rushers were able to do their job. You're hoping that, a, you know, Gervon Dexter, Zach Pickens, you know, your Justin Jones, that whole rotation ends up creating the pressure, denting the pocket, you can say. And then you go on from there. Yeah, and it very well could. Like, I mean, we're relying on rookies right now. So, like, that's kind of scary, I feel like, because, you know, Justin Jones didn't he was okay last year. Like, he wasn't, like, a superstar, obviously, but he was okay last year for, like, what we had on the defensive line. Um, Andrew Billings is, like, a good run defender. But right now, we don't have, like, that proven pass rusher from the interior, um, I'd say. But, you know, a guy like Javon Dexter could be that guy, right? Because he has all the physical abilities. He was actually number one ranked in the nation coming out of high school, even higher than, like, Jalen Carter, I believe, coming out of high school. Um, So, like, he has all the athletic tools. And if the Bears do mold it up properly, like, he could be an absolute beast on the inside. And... You know, we got Zach Pickens, too, like you mentioned. Like, I feel like nobody's talking about Zach Pickens at all because we're all talking about Dervon Dexter. But this yeah. guy also is, like, super athletic, super high ceiling. Um, We'll see if he actually contributes this year. I think it's going to be a rotation, like you mentioned. Like, it's going to be guys like Justin Jones, you know, Dervon Dexter rotating in and out. So we'll, we'll see who gets the most snaps. But hopefully it is decent, you know, pass rushing on the inside because if we don't have pass rushing – on the inside, like, I'm not sure where it's going to come from on this Bears team. I, I really hope, you know, Jaquan Brisker doesn't again lead the Bears in sacks like last <laughs> year. Like, that would absolutely suck. So, it wasn't number two, Roquan Smith, and he, you know, wasn't on the team for most Yeah, of I believe so. Yeah, he had like three sacks. He got traded in the middle of the season. It's, it's honestly wild that we didn't have a single player over like five sacks, 
Like, I feel like every team has a player over five sacks at, at some point. Yeah, right. But we just we didn't have the guys, I feel like. And Ibrafus also doesn't blitz that much. So, like, no. it's, it's kind of hard to even get sacks that way. So, you, you kind of just have to win with four, which we didn't have the guys that could win, win with four last year. Exactly. Before we move to uh, your thoughts on training camp, uh, Cornelius Squalls, I think, has an interesting question because I think all Bears fans have to think about this. So, he asks, why can't we contend this year? So, my first – I'm going to add to his question. What is your definition of contention? Um, well, contending for a Super Bowl, like going to the Super Bowl, I'd, I'd say that's contention. Like right now, like I'm not going to say we can't contend because this is the NFL. We've seen crazy things happen. Like the Bengals went from being one of the worst teams to going to the Super Bowl the very next year. So it's not impossible. But what I'm trying to say is like the expectation should not be to contend this year for a Super Bowl. Like the the measure of success for this team is not going to be if they win a Super Bowl, because right now we don't. We haven't invested enough in this team to actually have that expectation. So if we're like a playoff contender, if we're like fighting for that number seven seed, you know, going down the stretch, you know, if we're, if we're only winning like eight, nine games, I think that would be a successful season for the Bears because coming off the worst record in football last year, you can't expect to win the Super Bowl the very next season. So my definition of contention is actually going to the Super Bowl and winning it, which I don't think the Bears are at that level right now. Exactly. Like, I just can't picture... Let's say they make the playoffs. Let's say they, you know, let's say even they win the division for the sake of argument and they make the playoffs. I just can't picture them going into Philly in the playoffs and winning that game, you know, to move on to the, yeah. the Super Bowl. Like that would, that would just be, I don't know, the way this is currently constructed. So I think Bears fans have to, you can be hopeful, but also be happy with what you have. If you have a, a situation where Justin throws for 4,000 yards and rushes for, probably let's say 75% of what he rushed for last year. I don't need him rushing for a thousand yards again. Um, and, you know, his connection with, you have an answer who your number two is between like Darnell and a Chase Claypool. Uh, you're able to, you know, that connection with DJ is great. And your defense is solid. Like you have a middle of the road defense with the pieces you have. I think you're pretty happy. You're ending within, maybe you're ending with nine wins. Like you should be happy with that. And then say, well, imagine now what's going to happen next year when, as you talked about, you have those two first round picks. You're going to have some more money if you don't throw it all away on, you know, individuals this year. It's it's going to be fun. I agree. Like if, if we have a season, anything close to like 2018, which I'm not expecting 2018, but even if, even if you like make the playoff, losing the first round, the difference between that year and this year is that we actually have two first round picks next season, which we we didn't have a single first round pick after 2018. Um, because we traded those picks away for Khalil Mack. So, like, the way this team is structured right now, it's more to contend for the future than right now. So, even if we have a good season, like, it's going to be – it's just going to be added bonus, right, because we're not expected to actually have that good season yet. And I think across the NFL, like, a lot of media outlets and, like, other fans, you know, fans of other teams are not expecting the Bears to be good this year. So, if we do win, like you said, like, eight, nine games, contend for the number one – number seven seed – I think we would catch a lot of teams by surprise. And, you know, in their view, it would be a successful season. So, like, I think Bears fans should be happy, you know, with that as well. If we, if we only do win eight, nine games, which my my prediction actually was 10 games, winning 10 games this year. So I was a little bit optimistic. Um, but if you look at the Bears schedule, I think it's definitely possible if Justin Fields does have that breakout, which we think he's capable of having. Like, if he does pass for, you know, above 3,500 passing yards or even, like, even like 3,300, something like that. Like, I think that would be fine um, as a breakout because, you know, so far we haven't seen Fields really be a consistent, you know, franchise quarterback as a passer. 
So if we do get that this season, like I, regardless of how many games we win, I think that would be a W of a season for the Chicago Bears. Oh, 100%. As for today, so besides getting to work on your tan and hang out with George McCaskey, I, I saw that you uh, got to, got a selfie with him. That was what so were cool. your uh, – yeah, he's such a cool guy. Like He's willing he to – You can't tell you're talking to a billionaire when you're talking to him. Like, he's just a normal <laughs> right? guy. It's a normal guy who loves the Bears and yeah. just has made questionable owner decisions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what were your thoughts on training camp today? Uh, what did you see? What, what did you feel? What was the pulse? Yeah, yeah. So it was it was kind of like a 50-50, like compared to last, you know, last training camp practice, which I wasn't there last, you know, yesterday. But according to all the reports, you know, yesterday the offense definitely won the day. But today it did seem like it was kind of more 50-50, like the offense made a few big plays. The defense also had a lot of pass breakups, a lot of plays on the ball. But the only thing I'd say with the defense is that they got their hands on the ball a lot, but they weren't actually turning those into turnovers. So, you know, like Eddie Jackson dropped a pick. I think Elijah Hicks dropped a pick as well. Some other guys, backups, dropped picks. So I'm sure that Ibrahim is not going to be happy with that, that they were dropping those interceptions because he stresses the hits principle, you know, turnovers and all that. So that was kind of the only disappointing thing from the defense. But otherwise, the defense did have a much better day. Like, they were making life a lot tougher on Justin Fields, on the back of quarterbacks. So it wasn't, like, it wasn't as easy for the quarterbacks as it was yesterday. But on the flip side, like, the offense also had their plays. Like, Justin Fields connected with DJ Moore, mul- DJ Moore multiple times. You know, I think it was at least, like, three or four passes that they had um, completed to DJ Moore. And it wasn't just, like, the same route going down the field it was like multiple different routes it was like a go route it was like a post route um some in the intermediate portion of the field so i think that dj Moore being this um you know versatile as a route runner is pretty important for the bears offense right because we we don't have that guy you know besides dj Moore that can run every single route in the book um make catches over the middle of the field and be that true number one so that connection with dj Moore honestly has been like crazy to watch because it seems like you're watching two guys that have known each other for like you know, 10 plus years, but they've only known each other for like five years, five months. Right. So it's not even like a thing where like they've been working together for a long time. Like they're still going to get even better chemistry, um, but they're already like on the same page. So that's been fun to watch. And aside from that, like I, I can't think of too many other takeaways from the offense because the other guys were like, okay, like Mooney was on the field just like here and there because he's not fully healthy yet. So he's not fully participating in practice. So he was out on some plays. Um, Chase Claypool, Made a few good catches. He also had a bobble, which he did end up catching, but you, know, you don't want to bobble then in a real NFL game. He also had a drop too. So, you know, maybe not the perfect day from Claypool, but a decent day from him. And besides for the starters, like Tyler Scott, which I mentioned in my video, which I posted just a you know a few hours ago, he had a crazy day. Like he had multiple multiple plays going down the field, um, burning a bunch of different guys, you know, going up against the backups, obviously, right now, because he is second string, you know, he's he's not gonna be a starter as a rookie right away but he burned everybody going down the field and you could see that speed on full display like he has crazy crazy agility crazy acceleration and he he just torched like a lot of guys going down the field and pj walker you know the quarterback on those plays delivered pretty accurate balls to him so you know pretty pretty back and forth it was a pretty fun day i also didn't have the best view because i was sitting by where the fans were sitting and they didn't actually practice where the fans were sitting they were practicing by where the media was sitting so I kind of was kind of far away. You know, I probably missed a few plays, but I think that's the gist of gist of camp today. Like it, it was a pretty 50-50 day from both the offense and the defense. Yeah, it's so tough when you go to these practices because, you know, the cool thing is, you know, if if you don't, if fans don't know this, um, try to aim for the field if the seats are available, you know, and they're available to fans. 
that have the big like orange cart that has the giant camera coming up because that's the one that ultimately most of the team yeah. live ones are going to happen. But every once in a while, it doesn't matter because <laughs> that's on the field that is way over on the other side, closest to yeah. um, Hallis Hall where all the media gets to stand. And, you know, it was actually funny, like the year I got to do it, like the media stuff, of course, I'm sitting there, I'm set up, I'm all happy with being amongst the media members. And they roll out the cards and it's obviously the other side of the field by all the fans. I had to walk around. It was a whole thing. But it was, it was good because that day the fans got to enjoy it. But um, that's yeah. the difference between Hallis Hall and Bourbon A. It's a little harder as yeah. a fan to see what you need to see. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's nice that it's around at least. Yeah, I still had a fun time, obviously. Like, you know, we, we also came down later to get, you know, photos with all the players. So I actually did get a photo also with, like, some of the cornerbacks. So, like, Elijah DBs, I, I should say, like, Elijah Hicks, um, Jalen Jones, like, some of the other cornerbacks. Justin Fields actually was, like, a few rows down from me. So I was actually about to meet him too, but he left like at the very last second. So I couldn't meet Justin Fields, which kind of sucked, but um, it was a fun time. Otherwise, like, I'll, you know, always going to camp is super fun time as a fan. Um, If you're watching this and if you get to go to camp, definitely be sure to go early so you can get the good seats and the good views, because I'd say it's worth it. Like, you know, to watch, you know, the players that you, you see on TV right in front of you, you know, it's, it's super freaking cool. So definitely had a good time. So you mentioned, you know, a couple of players, Elijah Hicks, uh, one of them, you know, that maybe got them hands on some balls. Were there any, it's hard to tell what defensive offensive linemen right now, there's no pads, but were there any other defensive players that, you know, maybe stood out, whether it was just in seven on sevens or potentially yeah. in, in the team section? Yeah, I'd say Tyreek Stevenson, he had an up and down day, but I do want to mention him because he was going up against DJ Moore basically every single play. So that, like that's a tough assignment for a rookie. He obviously lost a lot of battles, but he also won a few, too, against DJ Moore, which, you know, that's one of the best receivers in the NFL. So I think Tyreek Stevenson having to go up against these good receivers, it's going to really strengthen him and make it more, you know, better for when he actually has to play in the NFL, which that's the benefit of having good receivers now on this team. Like, we're actually having iron sharpening iron, you know, offense versus defense. Last year, it was just... a bunch of you know scrubs on the team at receivers so our cornerbacks didn't really have to practice against good good players but this year it's the total opposite so you know Tyreek Stevenson had a few pass breakups he did get beat though a couple times against DJ Moore which there's no shame in that like some of the best cornerbacks in the NFL have been burned against DJ Moore but aside from that like I can't think of too many others like maybe Jaquan Brisker he did have a a pass breakup he also did have a play where he got burnt going up against I think it might have been DJ Moore as well. So, you know, it was kind of up and down for all the defense. Like, I, I can't name a person that had, like, a like a crazy good day of practice because almost, like, everybody had some bad plays, had some good plays. So, like, it, it was that type of day where you couldn't necessarily say, like, one side of the ball, you know, just won the day, which honestly is is preferred, right? Because you want to see both the offense and the defense have have good days because you want both to be good when the, you know, when the season actually starts. Well, and when can you think of a year when – that was even an option that the offense wasn't, it was always, Oh, well, it's early in training camp and the defense is usually ahead of the offense. It's nice that yes, the defense isn't doing, isn't great, great, but at the same time, it's nice that it's not that or it's where the offense. Oh yeah. DJ Moore is just straight up balling on people. And it's like, great. Fantastic. That's why you traded for him. I agree. Like I was just going back to my videos last year, just like seeing what I had to say. And like throughout the first, I think it was like nine practices. We didn't have any positive reports about the offense whatsoever. Like it was, it was like Justin Fields not connecting with his new guys. I'm um, guys running the wrong routes or just like dropping passes. But this year it has been the complete opposite. And even if it's not like perfect yet, which it's not supposed to be perfect because it's only been two days of practice, you know, it's much, much better than last season, which 
you know, I think that's that's an important thing fans have to realize. Like Justin Fields is going into year two now of the same system, which makes a big difference when you don't have to learn the learn a new playbook, you know, learn a new scheme, work with new teammates. He does have some new teammates, obviously, like a DJ Moore. Like I'd even classify Chase Claypool as a new teammate because he barely played with Claypool last year. But it's, it's not as big of a difference as it was last year. So I think that experience for Justin Fields definitely is showing so far because he is more comfortable in the scheme more comfortable in this offense. He knows his protections. And, you know, obviously with the offensive line, you can't really tell what's happening yet because they're not pads so far. But it's a much better, much better, um, you know, process, I would say, than last year so far on the offense. That's fantastic to hear. We got one more segment, uh, Rashad. But I'm going to in- invite you to join in for this one, Player Locks. So I put together a list of, I ended up with 39 players that I felt were like true guaranteed you're on the team locks uh, for this. I'm curious what to hear what your thoughts are on if these players fit or not. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. Position by position uh, quarterback, Justin Fields, PJ Walker. Yeah, they, so, you, so what's the point? So I'm, I'm trying to say if they're like fitting on the yep. team. Like, so basically I listed these players as locks. Yeah. Like they are guaranteed to be on that final 53. Oh, top. got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent guarantee that that's no question. <laughs> yeah. Um, running back and, ball carrier um Khalil <laughs> Herbert Roshan Johnson Deontay Foreman Kari Blassingame yes I I would agree with that as well the only one that was some might argue I would think would be Blassingame because yeah. it's a fullback but it seemed they carried him all last year he was important in when they did get into the red zone I mean did he get looks I I can't tell you how many times I put a prop bet on him scoring a touchdown and he just never did like he was open all the time it was very frustrating right yeah I mean, this scheme does use a, a fullback, you know, pretty often. So uh, I'd, I'd agree he's going to be on the team. All right. So wide receiver, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, Tyler Scott, Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, yes, but I also think, I mean, we're obviously going to keep probably six. So if, if you want to talk about the other two, like I do think like Velas Jones probably is going to make it, even though I know fans don't like him right now because Last year as a returner, he was actually pretty damn good when he wasn't fumbling the ball. Like, he actually did rank, I think, third in the NFL in terms of, like, average yards per return, kickoff return. So, like, he has a game-breaking speed where if he does clean up the the fumbles, like, he could be a very good returner for us, which at the very worst, I think he would keep that on the roster because he was also a third-round pick last year. So, I do think Villas Jones is going to make it. Also, you know, Dante Pettis might make it as well. Um, because he did have that route running last year. I know he wasn't like the best weapon, obviously not the most reliable guy, but you know, he was a big part of the offense last year. And like as a receiver number six, I feel like you'd be okay with keeping that. And so that's where I did get a little I had my question marks because is there a world I see where Bayless Jones gets cut? Yeah. If he goes out and you know in preseason games he muffs a punt or two, that could be a path to him not being here. Right. Um, and that's why so I had fought those five you know, more Mooney, Claypool, Scott, St. Brown. And then I don't think they're going to carry seven. I just think you have too oh, many yeah. other positions to worry about. So yeah. for me, that's why I didn't put either Jones or Pettis here because of just the one of them is going to be cut. And I'm just not sure which one it is yet. I got you. Like, I still think like Bayless is basically a lock to make it. But, you know, unless like something crazy happens, like you said, like if he fumbles, you know, a bunch in the preseason again, you know, then you cut him, but I, I think Velas definitely is going to make it because Ryan Poles probably doesn't want to cut bait with a third round pick from just the, the previous year. I know he's super old, he's 25, but like he, he was still a rookie last year, right? So you want to give him one more year, I would say. 
I would agree with that. I just think he brings more to the team as a whole than Pettis yeah. does. I agree. Um, tight end, Cole Komet, Robert Tanya. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think there's any complaints about yeah. that. Do you think we're going to keep three tight ends? I mean, we probably are, right? Because yes. we do keep three tight I ends. I do. Yeah. I just think it's like, who is it? Because I think it has to be um, like a, a pass slash run blocking tight end. And I yeah. don't really know who that is quite yet. Yeah, I thought we were going to make a signing a tight end before training camp started because I also can't think of who the third tight end is going to be. Like, right. Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously, that player is probably not going to play that much because he's going to be behind those two guys. But in case of injury, like, you do need somebody. So, yeah, you, you yeah. kind of wonder who's going to step up. So, could it be like, you know, a Chase Allen or Jake Tongs? I know Jake Tongs is kind of that fullback hybrid role. So maybe he does. Mm-hmm. Basically, who's going to be, um, who was it last year? Wesco? Like, who's going to play the Wesco yes. role? Yeah, yeah, I think it could be Tongs, like you mentioned, because he does play fullback too, and the scheme does require fullback. So you get that versatility with with him being in the lineup. Offensive lineman: Cody Whitehair, Tevin Jenkins, Nate Davis, Donald Wright, Braxton Jones, Lucas Patrick, Jatir Carter are my locks. I think I'd agree with that. Um, I'm not sure what to think about Alex Leatherwood at this point because I know he played for like a little bit last year. He had a few good snaps, but also like many bad snaps too. He's still super young, but like I, I'm not really sure what to think about him. I I feel like they might try to keep him because they did claim him just like a year ago, but at the same time they didn't actually like give up anything to get him. It was only like a waiver wire claim, you know, some cap space sacrificed. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But otherwise, I do agree with with what what you said. When you look at some of the other options you have in terms of further depth, right? You have your Larry Boredom, your Dieter Iceland, your Doug Kramer, who missed all of last season. Um, you're you're not super enthused with the offensive line depth. So to to keep an Alex Leatherwood as that next piece, because if you are keeping like a, a Lucas Patrick, right, you have your backup center guard-ish person. Shatir Carter, he's played guard too, so, you know, floated out to tackle a little bit. And so an Alex Leatherwood would make sense. Do I want him at tackle? Not really, but mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll take him there if two people go down and I need to. I forgot about Larry Borum. Yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> mentioned him because I totally <laughs> forgot he was on the roster at this point. But honestly, he could be a decent backup too. Like he's he started for the Bears, you know, good portion of the last two years. So like as a backup, I think I feel good about him being on this team. He's probably not the best scheme fit though. Obviously, he is kind of bigger. So, like, I feel like Poles doesn't really like him long-term, but as a backup right now, I think you'd be okay with him. Uh, defensive side of the ball. I have on the defensive line, so I clumped everyone together. Justin Jones, Gervin Dexter, Zach Pickens, Andre Billings, Rasheem Green, Dominique Robinson, Demarcus Walker, Travis Gibson. Anyone else you're missing or anyone in that list you think shouldn't be in there? No, I agree with that. I can't. I can't even think of anybody else on the defensive line because it's so bare. So, like, I, I, I think we're, you know, going to sign somebody though. So, like, these guys also might be on the roster bubble. Like, yeah, you know, maybe a guy like Travis Gibson could be kind of on the roster bubble if we do sign somebody. But at the same time, maybe not because you know he is, he is still relatively young. So, I think it does depend on like who we sign in the coming days. Exactly. You know, if if polls went crazy and traded for one and signed another edge now all of a sudden yeah you're having that conversation but otherwise i think that defensive line is fairly set yeah that's fair linebacker tremaine edmonds tj edwards jack sanborn noah sewell uh yeah i agree with that i mean dylan cole probably might make it i'm not sure how many linebackers they're gonna keep you know probably five i'm not sure how many get they kept last year i know the scheme does require like a lot of linebackers so but those guys you mentioned i think that's that's pretty pretty straightforward they should they should definitely make it 
and then some mixture, right? Like you said, it's yeah. Dylan Cole, it's a buddy, you know, buddy John who they just signed. There's some other linebacker that's probably involved, mm-hmm. but again, these are locks. I, I just can't, I, I just can't say who that's going to be. Yeah, I agree. Safety, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker. That's all I put. That's only the only two are confident that I could like if week one rolled around and they weren't on the roster kind of thing, like I'd be surprised. Yeah. Those are the only two I was like locked in on. Yeah, I agree, which it kind of makes me wonder, like, are we going to sign like a backup, like veteran safety? Because right now we only have like rookies right at safety. Like we have Elijah Hicks. He's not a rookie, but he was a sophomore player. Um, And then uh, Kendall Williamson, right? The guy from Stanford. And I can't even think of any other safeties we have on the team. I'm sure we have other ones, but like we don't have any solid veteran like we had in DeAndre Houston Carson, which I'm still kind of bummed we didn't get him back because as a backup, like he was a perfect backup safety. He was super good on special teams whenever he had to play, you know, at safety. He was pretty decent, at least like pretty average. So I kind of wish we signed DeAndre Houston Carson back. But at the same time, he was getting kind of older. So they probably want to see what they have in Kendall Williamson and Elijah Hicks. But like you mentioned, like I'm not comfortable locking them in because we haven't seen much of anything from them at this point. And it's also interesting, I talked about this a little early in the show, that uh, Terrell Smith uh, had some reps at safety as well. Drafted as a quarterback, oh. but the fact that he split time a little bit today, yeah, they clearly like something in him and they want to get him on the field. So that's always, you could almost start to sh- skirt him towards maybe a lock, but the fact that the coach are like, we got to figure out how to get you on the field somehow. Yeah, I feel like any rookie drafted below round six like should be a lock most times. So I agree, Like Terrell Smith probably is going to be making this roster. Uh, cornerback, Kyler Gordon, Tyreek Stevenson, Jalen Johnson. And I tentatively, I, I didn't end up putting Kindle Vildor here, but I was very close to doing it. Yeah, that's a good list. Um, th- That's a good point, though. Like, there's so many cornerbacks that could make this roster. Like, we have so many guys on the back end, like, you know, like Terrell Smith, who you said he might be a safety, but you know, maybe a cornerback he can make it. We have Jalen Jones. We have Josh Blackwell, too. So, like, UDFAs from last year. That did pretty good. Like they could be fighting for a roster spot, and we could see a situation in which Kendo Vildor does not even make the full, you know, 53 man roster. You know, he's not even Ryan Pohl's guy. So um, I, I don't think that's going to happen though, because Kendo Vildor did play a lot of snaps last year, and you probably don't want to get rid of like a experienced bet like that. But you know, when you do have so many drafted players coming in, like we've drafted so many cornerbacks in the past two years, you know, there could be a situation where Kendo Vildor does find himself on the outside looking in. Another name, too, uh, Jalen Jones is another guy. I mean, he put yeah. in some solid time, and he actually looked decent when he did play uh, just because of all the injuries <laughs> that, that were happening last year. So it, there's a lot of moving parts that are in that, that area, I should say. Um, and then lastly, it's special teams. I put Trenton Gill and Patrick Seals. Uh, so you didn't have Cairo Santos in there? I don't have him as a lock. I mean, okay. if, I had a, if, if I had to put money on it, like, what's more likely sure i'll put cairo but just from what the amount of money he's making his struggles with extra points and andre schmidt is actually a pretty good kicker Mm -hmm. i couldn't lock him in yeah that i mean that's fair like i'm not i'm not very knowledgeable about andre schmidt so like i love to see him first in camp which i don't even remember seeing him today um he was probably out there i just didn't notice but um, if he is as good as people say he is, like there's definitely a world in which we do cut Cairo Santos and just roll with a rookie kicker because you know kicker is a situ- it's a position where like you're not locked into any guy for like too long. Like unless you have like a like a superstar kicker, like a 
you know, Justin Tucker, like you could be replacing kickers like pretty frequently. And if you can't get a rookie kicker to be good for you, like might as well go with that guy because I know Cairo did struggle on like, you know, extra points last year. He doesn't have a big leg, you know, beyond 50 basically can make those kicks. So I think you do have to get your kicker of the future and maybe it could be this guy, but I'm not qualified enough to say if he's good or not. So I'll just wait to see what happens again. I do think Bear fans need to always keep in mind the phrase, you know, grass is always greener. Uh, yeah. Go back to the Robbie Gould situation. I mean, there's so much stuff going on there. It wasn't just he was struggling for Robbie Gould, which was like average for a kicker, which which we were just so blessed essentially and spoiled to have that. But there was other stuff behind the scenes. Like he hated his special teams coach. The special teams coach had issues with him. Then Robbie Gould leaves. And I mean, does everyone like not remember the kicking carousel and the competition? Do you want to go through that again? I mean, Cairo has been pretty solid. So yeah. Again, I think he's more likely than not to be on the team, but I just didn't lock lock him in. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we'll see what the special teams coaches think. You know, it is it's probably going to come down to like preseason kicks. So like, if if Cairo's missing a bunch of preseason kicks and the new guys making a bunch of them, then I could see a world in which you know he makes it. But Cairo's veteran um, ability should probably win out at the end. I'd say. I would think so. Uh, we. I had a list of the names that were kind of the uh, who just missed the cut and who probably still will make the team. We've talked about most of them, uh, you know, Bales Jones, Dante Pettis, Larry Borum, Cairo Santos, Jake Tongs. Um, the couple we didn't talk about, though, Travis Homer versus Tristan Ebner. Uh, there's still definitely a chance that one of those two still make it, whether it's special teams, third down stuff. Who would you give the edge to right now between those two? I'd say Homer, you know, he has that pass pro ability too, which, you know, a lot of people have talked about. I'm not sure how good Ebner is in pass pro. We haven't really seen him in pass pro that often in the NFL. You know, he's barely played in the NFL and the few snaps he has played, he hasn't looked that good, I'd say, as a runner. So I think that if they did sign a guy like Homer from the Seahawks who has had a few years already in the NFL, like he probably does have the edge over Ebner. But, you know, at the same time, Ebner did have a few good runs today in practice, you know, Nothing too special, but like he he's also a guy that you know Ryan Poles drafted last year, which I know most fans have given up on because he had a rough rookie year, but he does have that agility, that you know, explosion that maybe he could turn to something. So it's gonna depend on like the preseason action, I'd say, the training camp action. So right now it's too early to tell. But if I have to put money on it, I would say um Travis Homer. I would agree with that. I mean, Ebner was on the team, Poles went out and signed Homer. So like, you know. That, that To me, that's a little bit of the writing on the wall where it's, look, you're not doing what we need you to do um, on those third downs when we are, when you were available. Uh, what Homer brings on third down and pass protection as receiving back, uh, I think that's something that they definitely value. So I would agree with you there. Um, the last two here are the Nathan Peterman, Tyson, Bajan's combo. <laughs> the emergency third quarterback is back. I think that's really important. Yeah. Because, you know, about half the NFL teams have gone to carrying just two QBs on the active roster. But the new rule says that the QB has to be on that 53-man roster if you're going to use that rule. Which means one of those two guys, as the roster currently sits, would have to be on your 53. So that, you know, basically what happened to the 49ers where both, you know, they just didn't have a quarterback. And Brock Purdy had to just roll the ball to people the entire game. Uh, doesn't happen again. So between those two knowing we're no longer in tank mode. So maybe the Peterman experiment is no longer valid. I mean, so who would you give the nod to as your QB three that whether that's on the potentially on the practice squad? I'd say Badgen because at least he has potential. You already know Peterman is not going to be good. So like you might as well roll with the potential. Like if, if we, if we're down to QB three at that point, the season already is over. So you might as well just roll with the guy that actually has potential over a guy in Peterman who already, 
you know is not good. Like, I mean, this guy, honestly, I have no idea how he's still in the NFL, Nathan Peterman, because he, he has some of the worst stats I've ever seen for any quarterback in the limited times you know mm-hmm. he's played. So I, I just can't see a world in with Peterman. I, I, I could see that world, right, because, you know, teams do love their veteran quarterbacks. But personally, I would want to roll with Tyson Badgen because he played in D2, right? Division two, I think. He did, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I mean, I haven't looked into him that much, but I think he was like a record holder in Division two. So, you know, maybe we see something crazy happen and like he lights it up somehow and we get that steal, um, UDFA steal that, you know, other teams have sometimes gotten that quarterback. But I, I would rather roll with the with, with the potential in, in Tyson Badgett. Yeah, so Badgett, uh, his college career, he had 69% nice completion percentage, 17,000 passing yards, 159 touchdowns, four in, to only 40 interceptions, and averaged over 300 yards per game oh in his four God. starting years. I mean, it's D2, but like, yeah, still. Rather, still, at least it's, he's a, the thing, the only thing that sucks with him, and this doesn't really matter for Peterman, but this is just specifically him, is that he's very much the pocket passer kind of guy, you know, just stand there and get it out. So, you would have to change your offense. PJ Walker's not a big runner. It's you know people kind of misconstrue that, um, mm-hmm. but he but he can if he needs to. Uh, Badgen doesn't fit that. He's much more of the Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, like just stand and pepper kind of thing. So um, again, if you're down to, as you said, your third quarterback, um, you're probably not in a great spot. Um, so just develop a quarterback. Maybe you can pull a Patriots and you can trade a you know a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Jacoby Brissett to someone who needs a, a backup and. Boom, you got another draft pick. Yeah, and like you mentioned, like it's probably not going to matter unless you do go to the NFC Championship game and you have multiple injuries like the 49ers, you know, had, which I don't I don't, I don't anticipate the Bears getting there this year. So it's not going to be a big deal for the Bears, but I would still agree that Tyson Badgen, at least like you have something there to work with. You don't have anything to work with with Nathan Peterman. He's already like 28, 29. Like he's not going to get much better at this point. Well, that's all we got for today. Thank you, Rashab, so much for stopping on. It was great yeah, to hear your perspective. On, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, I'll have you on my channel too sometime in the future. I'll definitely hit you up about that. Well, and if people currently listening haven't heard you before or seen your stuff, which is crazy, they absolutely should. Um, <laughs> where can they find you? You can find me at the Windy City Productions on YouTube. So I run a YouTube channel just doing you know highlights, reactions, other Chicago Bears content. I also have a Twitter account too at DWC prods where I tweet about the bears basically every single day. So if you want to follow me there, um, I'd appreciate that as well. But thanks for having me on Mason. Yeah, it was, it was so great. Like I said, we have to do this again and yeah, I'd love, absolutely love to hop on your show, but uh, yeah. have a good evening, man. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. And like I said, that's all we have for today. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, I got stuff I got to do today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, I'm going to, like I said, be at camp on Saturday, as long as nothing crazy like, you know, weather or air quality happens. Um, Remember, if you want to win one of these bare bone shirts, uh, show that again for everyone. If you're you're listening uh, to the podcast, check it out. Uh, It's pretty cool. I'm going to post this on Twitter. And you want to win one of those? All you got to do, like and comment on the YouTube video. Head over to Twitter, to my Twitter. I'm going to uh, at west sports pt Um, i'm going to post a picture like retweet follow and i'm gonna randomly select someone i'll get your size and i'll send it to you um i got a i got got a number of them um some of the ones i have i'll also maybe we'll maybe we'll sell some if you're interested in that also let me know leave a comment um and that'll tell me if i should just buy some more or not but otherwise have a great evening bear down everyone